This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condice Presley. The holidays are fast approaching. Yes, 2020 is soon to end. And I've got an idea for you, a gift for your friend who loves to read. It's The End of Her by Sherry LaPena. It'll have readers questioning the past of their spouse and their own judgment as well. In the sleepy upstate town of Aylesford, New York, Stephanie and Patrick are adjusting to their sleep-deprived lives with their colicky twins. Emma and Jackie are a handful, but Stephanie doesn't mind putting her career on hold to be a stay-at-home mom. Patrick is doing the 9-to-5 as an architect to pay the bills. When Erica Voss, a woman from Patrick Past, from Patrick's past reemerges unexpectedly after almost 10 years, raising questions about Patrick's late first wife, Stephanie supports her husband wholeheartedly. She knows that Lindsay's accidental death in Colorado all those years ago was just that, an accident. But Erica is persistent and threatens to go to the Denver police. Patrick is afraid that his job, his reputation will be at risk if he doesn't stop all of Erica's questioning. And then Stephanie begins to realize that some of the accusations that Erica is spouting about Patrick have the ring of truth. And as Stephanie's trust in her husband begins to falter, Patrick is primed to lose everything he loves. Soon their marriage begins to crumble. Stephanie isn't sure what or whom to believe. Now the most important thing to protect are her girls. But at what cost? Our guest is Sherry LaPena. She is the internationally known best-selling author of the thrillers The Couple Next Door, A Stranger in the House, An Unwanted Guest, and Someone We Know, all New York Times bestsellers. Her books have been sold in 37 territories and around the world. She joins us today in quarantine like me from her home in Toronto. Thanks for Hello. time with us. Hi. Hi. Hello, Atlanta. How are you faring during the pandemic in your, your home of Toronto and Canada? You know, we're having our numbers go sky high as well. And so I think in Ontario, we're probably, they're warning us we're going to have another lockdown probably on Friday in Toronto anyway. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping that the vaccine solves everything, but um, we're we're pretty good mask wearers here. But nonetheless, the uh, the numbers seem to be going up. As I was reading about you to get ready for our conversation, uh, one 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 person, Ruth Ware, I think it was, said, uh, "You're like the queen of of creator of suburban paranoia." <laughs> for, for our listeners who have not read one of your books, what does she mean by that? And are we going to be unnerved trying to escape and relax with the end of her? <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you want to escape and relax, but if you escape into one of my books, it's it's a bit of a nightmare, but at least it's a nightmare for the characters, not for you. Uh, yeah, so Ruth was saying that uh, I think that I'm the queen of suburban paranoia because I like to, I look behind the closed doors of the families and I see what's going on, you know, within those families and relationships. And I've just... I'm really interested in those close relationships, whether it's husband, wife, uh, women, friends, uh, parents and children. I like to look at those intimate relationships because they're also fraught and complicated. And 
they're not people you can easily get away from. So they make for a good twisty story. And I like to look, you know, beneath the surface of everybody's, you know, obvious persona and see what's really going on beneath. Talk to our listeners about how you became a novelist. Well, it was something I'd always wanted to do from the time I was, you know, a little girl. And, you know, I've always been a bookworm, a huge reader. And I I didn't pursue it because I thought it was kind of a, you know, a, a not a very sensible career path. So I became a lawyer and a teacher and I did a lot of other things. And then when I was home with my first child, I stayed home with, with the baby and I thought I've got time now um, during nap times, so I'm just going to give it a whirl. And, and I just started writing when I was 40 and it was the best thing I ever did because it just, um, it changed my life. You know, that's what I'd always wanted to do. And I, I guess I finally just gave myself permission um, at that age to do what I'd always wanted to do. I think sometimes it's hard for people who are practical to pursue an art because they think it's not practical. And I'm sort of a practical person, but I'm also very creative. So I ended up in the right place in the end. <laughs> I wish I'd started writing earlier, but um, I'm happy with where I am now. How did you land that first book deal? The first book deal, you know, it was, I was very lucky because I, I first, the first book I wrote was a a literary novel as opposed to a thriller and I was just lucky I had um, I had no trouble getting an agent for my first book and she sold it to a small press in Canada and it did relatively well but I sort of think of my debut as an author really started with the thrillers that's where I kind of broke out and became a uh, an international writer so that that was different that was I I sent my first thriller off to a thriller agent and she just loved it right off the get-go and she sold it very, very quickly with a preempt and it went all over the world very fast. And it was a huge, huge, big deal, which none of my literary books were. <laughs> they were small, funny, funny literary books about poets and things like that. So, um, but I learned to write writing those and then I learned to write thrillers and um, thrillers are where I want to be. That's where I always kind of wanted to be. But um, thrillers are very, very plot driven, and I don't plot ahead. And so when I started writing literary novels, I wrote those because I just started with a character and I just meandered around and I ended up with a book. So I thought I couldn't write a thriller. But apparently, I do that for thrillers too, and it seems to work for me. The characters that you create, and the, I mean, I think this book starts with that. Well, I mean, thrillers involve crime. Am I correct there? Well, it starts off with an accident, so a death. So, so this woman, this pregnant woman, dies in a car in an accident. Um, it, it actually, that was the idea that started me off on the book. Was I read a story about a a man who his wife got into a car while he was digging it out of a snowbank and she died of carbon monoxide poisoning. So I thought that was a great idea for a story because if, if you wanted to murder your wife and family, that's a great way to do it because you just make sure the exhaust pipe is plugged with snow and then you take a long time digging the car out while they're in the car and staying warm. And then they die painlessly and quietly and everyone thinks it's an accident. So what happened in this book was there was a, a husband, Patrick and his wife, and she died in that way, but it was ruled an accident and everyone genuinely believed it was an accident. And all through the book, I keep the reader on the edge. We don't know until the end whether or not it was an accident because it really could look either way. Um, so you have to read the book all the way to the end to find out whether he actually did murder his first wife or not. And so 
this woman from his past um, comes into the story and she starts to, you know, tell the couple, the new wife, that he murdered his first wife and, and she has to deal with, you know, did he or didn't he and does he have plans for me kind of thing. So, so it's a... Continue. It, it's sort of, you're on the edge all the time. It's really never clear until the end um, what happened to that first wife. <laughs> never clear. Yeah. What made you, or how did you know that you would find joy in peeling back the layers of the onion in a family to, to uncover these bizarre relationships or conflicts? Like, well, did he murder his first wife? or no? I think that's just what I'm interested in. Like I, I, I love to watch the true crime stories like the one about the staircase, you know, the Peterson case. Like, did he actually murder his wife or not? Those things just appeal to me. And I guess it makes me sound weird in a way, but I know lots of readers like it too. So I, I just find people fascinating. And I like to just think about what motivates them. And, you know, in a way it's a practical choice too, because I, I like to read police procedurals, but I'm not very good at the research and I don't have friends in the police and so on. So um, I chose to write my first thriller as a domestic because you know, I was home with a young child and I'd been through the motherhood thing and it was something that I knew. So it was relatively easy for me to write about as opposed to spy thrillers or police procedurals and that sort of thing. What kind of law did you practice when you decided that, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I'm going to be a writer. Yeah, I didn't practice very long. I just, I practiced in a firm where I did a bit of everything. So I did mostly corporate and bankruptcy, um, bit of real estate. I didn't do any criminal, which, you know, I might've really found fascinating, but it didn't appeal to me at the time. <laughs> um, so I don't really, I don't draw on any kind of stories that I might have seen like you know there are quite a few criminal lawyers who have become thriller writers um, but I'm not one of those. The characters in your books especially in the end of her they're not exactly likable people. What, where do you find the inspiration for these types of characters to drive your stories? I think it all just comes from inside me and from reading that I've done. I actually don't know people like this in my own life thank heavens. Um, but I did do a lot of reading and, you know, you just have to read the newspaper and see what kinds of things people get up to. And you think, oh, <laughs> there are a lot of a lot of people who do outrageous, awful things. And it's not that much of a stretch to make up a story about them or people like them. When you come up with the idea, the story that you want to tell, how long does it take for you to pull it all together beginning to end? Um, I usually, like I said, I, I start without a plan. I just have an idea. And then I write the first draft in about four or five months. And then I spend another four or five months revising it. We're talking to Sherry LaPena. Her book is The End of Her. It's a new domestic suspense novel. She is a New York Times bestselling author. Other books that Sherry has written include The Couple Next Door and Someone We Know. Her friend uh, Ruth Ware calls her uh, the queen of suburban paranoia. Sherry, you said at the beginning of our conversation that you were home with your first child and you decided that I'm here, I'm gonna write, I want to write motherhood figures in to these suburban paranoia stories and it has an interesting role in this one um how does being a mom provide you know so many obstacles for the female characters that you write and create 
You know, depending on the story, being a mom can create obstacles or um, motivations. People will, will, well, in couple next door, you know, it was the, the motivation to get the baby back because the baby was kidnapped. Um, motherhood just seems to play a role in almost all of my books, not all of them, but um, I guess because I'm a mother and so many women are, um, and it's just one of those relationships that is so intense and people will do anything for their kids. On the other side of that, some people won't do anything for their kids. So it's a really interesting relationship to play with in terms of norms and subverting norms. Um, in my new book, that's not finished yet, it's, it kind of reverses that. And it, there's a lot of themes in there about parents who are disappointed in their children, who've had their expectations of their children's reversed. But then the other side of that is they've been poor parents to their children. The parent, the children's expectations have been reversed. So it's just such an interesting relationship. You know, whether you look at the mother and the infant or the mother and the teenager or the mother and the adult child, which I have done in all of my books, um, it's just a, a really intense relationship to explore, I think. Everyone's been a, a child and everyone, not everyone's been a parent, but everyone has had a parent pretty much. So it's something people can relate to. And we know those relationships because in caring for someone, you're open and vulnerable, right? Exactly. So people, that's their weak spot. And that shows up a lot in my books where um, children can be used as a way to get to someone else. In this story, marriages and relationships are complicated. Uh, you've got people who lie, people who cheat. Talk to our audience about creating such complex partnerships in your story. Wow, you know, I kind of do it unconsciously. I don't, I, I, I just kind of, the story takes off and then somebody will do something and that will cause something to happen and someone will react in an odd way. And sometimes I'm surprised by the way that they react. And then that leads me to some, some other twist and I'm surprised by that. <laughs> and um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just something that happens very naturally with me when I create characters. I don't create characters with a list of characteristics and what they like and what they don't like. I always build my characters by putting them into a situation of conflict with someone else. And then I see what they do and what they say. So sometimes I know what they're going to say. Sometimes they surprise me. And then I have the other person reacting in a way. And then I get inside their head and I see how they react. And my characters take me places I didn't know I was going to go. So it's completely um, from inside me when I write these characters. I might think that, um, you know, it might go in one direction, but it might go in another completely different directions. Because I don't know at the beginning of my books who's, who the baddie is. You know, I leave that open for my reader and for myself for as long as I can do it. I try and keep all the balls going in the air. And that way, I think it's it's easier to fool the reader if I don't even know what I'm writing it, what really happened or, or who the bad guy is. It so sounds it's a it's a it's a it's it's for me, it's like reading the book because I want to know what's going to happen. Um, and the character development just kind of happens through those relationships and through the plot. So um, yeah, I would say I just put them in a situation and I see what they do. Do you ever get to a point where you think the story is going one place 
and then you have to do a complete reversal and it just totally does a 180 and takes you somewhere else? Um, I wouldn't say a complete 180 because with the way I set things up, it's always set up so that, you know, there might be four or five people. Well, actually all the books are a little bit different. The only, the only place I had that kind of happen was in The Unwanted Guest, which was a, more characters and uh, it was a closed room. So it was a bit, <clears throat> with that one, I had to go back a bit and rework something so I didn't close a door on myself. <clears throat> but for my other ones, I usually keep all my options open and I sort of build the story. So, oh, he might've done it because of this or he might've done it because of that, or um, it's unclear. People could be either way. So uh, it's, it's hard to explain my process. Um, it's very organic and it's fun for me because I have a lot of fun seeing where everybody's gonna go. Um, but I wouldn't say things go in completely opposite directions. Like for instance, in the end of her, the central story, the, the central question is set up, you know, did he murder his first wife or not? So really it's just like he either did or he didn't. And I played with that all the way along. And it wasn't until three quarters of the way through the book that I made a decision about whether Patrick actually murdered his first wife. So, um, and I and I leave it open in my head. If I, if, if I were to make a decision too early about, like if I knew the ending and I were to make a decision too early about who had done what, then I think the fun of writing it would go out of it for me. And the fun of reading it goes out for, for those of us who are reading the story. And the way not to give anything away, but the way the end of her does finish, the door is sort of open that there may be a continuation of that story. Is, is that something that you're thinking of doing? You know, no, I'm, I don't plan any sequels, but it seems to be the case in every single one of my books, I've left a little bit of the ending open-ended. And it's just, I do it naturally. That's the way, that's what feels like the end point for me. And I think it's because I like the idea of my characters living on beyond that last page. Like I like to think of them having a life that goes on that we're not seeing. But I always answer the central question. I think if you were to write a book with around a central like whodunit and you didn't answer that question, people would be frustrated. But what I do is I answer that question, but I kind of ask another little question in the future. And I've had so many requests for sequels um, for all of my books, I've had requests for sequels, but particularly for A Stranger in the House. But um, I haven't planned on writing any sequels. You just but it, it, make, it makes me happy because it makes me think that, yes, people know that those characters are alive and they're living beyond the page and they want to know what they're going to do. And I always say, I don't know until I write it. I don't know what they're going to do. You leave, it, you leave that part of it open to the interpretation of the reader. Exactly. Exactly. There seems to be a remarkable amount of source material for your creative works. It's almost as if you could just do another book called People Behaving Badly. <laughs> I could. That's the only, you know, people, people say the characters in my book are, are all unlikable. And yeah, they kind of are. And I, I admit that. But they're interesting, you know. Um, you don't have to like a character to be really involved with what they're doing. And so, some of my characters are likable, like they have certain aspects of them that are likable, they just go to a dark place. And I guess the question I'm kind of asking is, you know, until you're pushed, you don't know what you would really do yourself, right, to protect your own child or, you know. But I don't, I don't like to write, like I don't write revenge books, like, um, 
cut, you know, clear cut revenge books and, and things like that. What is it that you like for readers to take away from the end of her and in, in all of the books that you've written? I just, I just want them to have a really good read. I want them, you know, the, my favorite comment, and I get it a lot, is I couldn't put it down. And if, if I get, in, when I started off writing thrillers, I thought, I just want to write a page turner. I want to write something that, you know, you just can't put down. And, and that's, that's the, the comment I get the most often. And that makes me happy because all I really want is for people to get really immersed in it have their brain buzzing and just really enjoy it and want to keep reading because that, that's what I love when I read a book. So I, you know, as long as I've got them turning the pages and, and not wanting to put it down. I mean, the worst thing you have is a, a book where people <laughs> say I put it down and I couldn't pick it up. Like, <laughs> you know, if you can keep their attention, that's a good thing. That is critically important. Mm -hmm. uh, one other thing, Sherry, I was interested in knowing. So the first time one of your books turned up on the New York Times bestseller list. Mm -hmm. Quite, quite an achievement. Uh, tell me a little bit about that day and how you felt. You know, that whole period where the book sold quickly and came out so quickly and hit all the bestseller lists, it was like living in a fairy tale. It was, um, you know, you take someone who never expected to be published and then published very quietly in Canada and sold 2,000 copies. Um, it was a big change of worldview for me. Um, I've gotten used to it now and I, I still totally love it, but it was it was a game changer. It was a life changer for me. It, it totally changed my life. I mean, it, it let me write uh, thrillers now for a living um, instead of just doing something that I do in my part-time secretly. Um, and it, it has been fantastic. Like I get to travel all over the world. I meet lots of other writers. I get to meet my readers. It's It's a lovely, lovely thing. So I'm very grateful and, you know, super grateful to my readers. And it's, it's, you know, I get to do what I want, which I love, you know, I really didn't love being a lawyer. <laughs> so I, I hear that I a lot very... from a lot of my lawyer friends who are doing yeah. something entirely different than yes. lawyering. Yeah. I yeah. Totally Virtually that. none of the women I went to law school with are still in practice, you know, because it's just so hard to have a family. And um, anyway, uh, it's, it changed my life in very, very significant ways. Definitely. Terrific. Remind us again of what's coming next and when we can look for it. Okay. So I always have a new book out each July in the US and the UK, and then it comes out all over the place later on. Um, and it's called Not a Happy Family. And it's a corker. And, you know, all my books could be called Not a Happy Family. <laughs> or not a happy couple or not anyway not a happy time anyway it's um you know it's another family who's you know it's it gets pretty grim under the surface so and it's quite twisty and there's you know a pretty cold-blooded murder so um and there's a lot of money involved so that's really all i can all i can say no that's um, that's tease enough for us i think yeah it's it's, a, it's an elderly couple worth billions of dollars and um, they're murdered very violently in their home and the, and the suspicion falls on the family members, of course. So, um, and you know, some of them are real pieces of work. So um, I've had a lot of fun writing this one, I have to say. <laughs> I can tell. Our guest, mm. the queen of suburban paranoia, Sherry LaPena, her current book is The End of Her. It is out, available now. Um, and Cherry, this has been uh, quite the fun conversation. Uh, thanks 
so much for, for making time for us and uh, look forward to uh, next July and, and, and what comes next. And maybe I'll I, come see you in person. <laughs> I would love that. I think maybe by July you can. Well, I look forward to meeting you in person uh, and, and shaking your hand, which we yes. have now for almost a year. Uh, when the new book comes out. So I appreciate you greatly. Thank you so much. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.